like to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Bennett Gainey. The crunch, crunch, crunch time plays. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, I always look for Crunch Time Plays. All right, welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Crunch Time Preview right here on Crunch Time Plays. Previewing Auburn and Texas A&M on Saturday, the top game in the country this weekend. And, and we're doing it with Robert Barrons from Good Bull Hunting. Does an incredible job uh, over there, the SB Nation fan site for Texas A&M. So excited to talk about the game with him. And, and let's get a go ahead and get it rolling. Robert, what's up, brother? Doing good, man. Ready for Saturday. It's, you know, big game. I get lots of uh, SEC West implications. So, I think we're all just ready to get it rolling. There's no doubt. And uh, so it's your se- second time on the show. You know, you're starting to become a regular around here. But uh, certainly thank you for, for joining us as always. And and so we were talking about before we started recording this, which is pretty cool. Not Maybe not cool for if you're a Texas person. But if you're a Texas A&M person, this, this week has been especially uh, cool for you with the, with the Jeff Banks, Poe Assassin, Mucky, Bite Ordeal and all that, but especially for this game this weekend that we have two teams that were left for dead at the early part of the season, and now they're playing one of the most important games uh, in the country to date and definitely the most important game and best game in the country uh, this weekend. So it's definitely, uh, you know, if I were to ask you what sport it was, what sounds a lot like college football to me. Yeah, man. And I mean, you talked about when I came on earlier this season I, and before the season started, I mean, I was, I was really high on A&M and I, you know, I was all about like that we were going to beat Alabama, that we were going to contend for the West. And this time a month ago, I was looking really stupid. Um, you know, A&M was, was fresh off two losses against Arkansas and Mississippi state. And we were, uh, we were just hoping to get bowl eligible. Uh, but then magically suddenly like that, almost the season turned on a dime um, with that upset of Alabama. And then of course uh, two more wins against Missouri and I'm sorry, Missouri and uh, South Carolina. And like you said, two teams that with some big wins, uh, Auburn just, uh, just taken down Ole Miss last weekend. And now Auburn actually still controls their own destiny in the West. Obviously if they, if they went out and upset Alabama in the iron bowl, they're going to Atlanta. Um, and by the same token, uh, all AM needs is if they can win out and then get one more Alabama loss, which is a big ask. Uh, but uh, but if you can get maybe Auburn to to win that Iron Bowl uh, in Jordan Hare, uh, then you probably have AM going to Atlanta. So, you know, really like the West is a lot more wide open and than it has been in several years. I feel like going into November, um, normally it's it's Alabama and then like you're needing them to lose like, you know, one game or even two games for other people to be in contention. So to have one team still controlling their own destiny and one team that's only one more Alabama loss away from actually being in first place, like you said, I mean, it puts so many implications on this game and, and whoever is able to win uh, 
you know, they are, are in a great situation coming into the, the final stretch of the season. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Auburn the, talked about it on the uh, on the playoff reaction show that I did, uh, yeah, that I released out uh, yesterday. And it was, you know, it's really fascinating that Auburn was obviously ranked number 13, Texas A&M, right behind them at 14 in the initial playoff rankings. But I definitely have to believe that if Auburn uh, wins out and the and kind of speculating on it that that they that Auburn does indeed control their own destiny and for A and M, you're you're only one one if you win this game on Saturday you're only at one loss from Alabama away. Let's say you get it in the Iron Bowl against Auburn and then and then you go to the SEC championship game and and play Georgia and and you could possibly be in the college football playoff as the first two loss team that's ever made it. Yeah, I mean, we've speculated that a ton on the A&M side. Um, but I think the exact same thing, like you said, is true for Auburn, that if one of those teams can win the West, even as a two-loss team, um, if they were able to then go to Atlanta and upset Georgia, then no matter what, whether it's A&M or whether it's Auburn, you'd have a two-loss team, but it'd be a two-loss team that has beaten Alabama and Georgia. So, like, I mean – Yes, a two-loss team has never made the playoff, but you've also never had a two-loss team that has far and away the two best wins in the country on the season. Um, so I agree. I think having an SEC champ that had that type of resume with two signature wins on it, I think would absolutely be in playoff contention. And I think, and I would say it's it would be hard to keep them out. Uh, but who knows? Because 2021 has been such a weird year. Um, you know, we've had so many upsets seemingly every single week. I think we probably still have some more to come. Um, so trying to predict anything this year seems kind of kind of foolish at this point. And just we'll just yeah. get to enjoy the ride. Yeah, well, like I've been saying, we're just we're just enjoying it. And uh, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way. We can't assume that that any team is going to run the table the rest of the way. But no, a lot of a lot of talk it was kind of diving into the to the game now specifically. I know there's going to be. A lot of talk about the quarterback matchup and and Bo Nix and Zach Calzada coming in here. Bo Nix, of course, is kind of the resurgent quarterback so far this season. But Calzada, you know, he's you know forced into action after Haynes King, who we were all anticipating very high hopes for, uh, goes down in that Colorado game, and it kind of took him a few games to to get going. But in that Alabama game, he was obviously the the superhero of the night, and he's. You know, he kind of struggled a little bit in the past two weeks, but A&M hasn't needed to to throw the football against Missouri or South Carolina. So the run game has certainly been a feature there with an improving offensive line. But when you look at this specific quarterback matchup for the game, it's kind of the opposite of last year where you had Kellen Mond, who was the more uh, experienced guy, and then Bo Nix. But it seems like Bo Nix is the more resurgent and experienced guy this year. And then, and then you have Zach Calzada uh, as well. So kind of a, there's just kind of flip the script when it turns to quarterbacks for this matchup. Yeah. And I think it's two quarterbacks that while the results end up looking very similar, I think because offensively both teams try to feature the run, both teams have some really great running backs that, that you know, they, they want to use it when they're effective. Um, but really Calzada and, Bo Nix couldn't be more different, not only in experience, but I think Bo Nix is just a much more dynamic player. Um, and that can be both good and bad um, because 
you know, we all see the highlights and we see the insane plays that he makes. Um, but I mean, but if you look at the stats and you know, Bonitz, he's also struggled a fair amount as well. Um, a lot of times those crazy plays are kind of masking um, a lot of the other plays that you're not seeing on SportsCenter. Um, and so I think that's, that's what it's going to come down to. I think between these two guys is not necessarily who makes the amazing play, but who avoids those critical mistakes. Um, and that was what Calzada did against Alabama really well um, because he's, uh, he's not perfect. He's, he's not, uh, you know, like not always the most accurate guy. He's not always finding the open receiver as often as he should. Um, but against Bama, he made the throws when he needed to. And more importantly, he, he didn't have like, you know, two or three turnovers that just hamstrung the offense. Um, so now that said, as silly as it sounds, because quarterback, like you said, is always the most important position on the field. I'm, I really don't think that's where this game gets decided uh, because I think, I think the other side of the ball is the strength of both teams. Um, so I think whichever team defensively can really step up is the one that's going to have the big advantage. Um, but, and maybe that's just from an AM fan because Bo Nix is, he's given us problems. You know, he beat AM two years ago at Kyle field. Uh, and then of course, I mean, even last season when AM won at Auburn, uh, you know, he had one play where they were down in the red zone and he had, I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say the entire AM defensive line pretty much like with their hands on him. And then he somehow escapes out the backside and scrambles for a touchdown. So, I mean, we are very familiar with, with what he can do. Uh, so, but you just hope that that AM defense and, and their coordinator, Mike Elko, are, are ready for it and they're able to contain him and hopefully capitalize when, when he makes those mistakes that, you know, every quarterback makes week to week and you just hope the defense can capitalize on it. And make yeah. It those are work. certainly his best plays of meeting Bo Nix. His best plays are those off schedule uh, plays that, that he makes. He actually has come into his own talked about it a lot in the preseason with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson. this new offense. He's actually come into his own. It's, it seems like more, uh, especially lately in the in the actual flow of the offense instead of just making the the off schedule plays he think he's definitely improving there but but you're right this game is is not going to be one uh, probably based on the quarterback so that's really want to what I want to focus on as we dive into the positional matchups you're looking for Texas A&M offensively first against that Auburn defense you no know, really the last week when Auburn played Ole Miss one of the you know obviously one of the key matchups that that I looked at was Auburn's linebackers against Ole Miss's quality running backs, and they added Owen Papo back last week, and and Zacoby McLean, of course, all know what the game he had last week, the SEC co-defensive player of the week against Ole Miss last week. So that's really kind of thinking about it. It's really the same thing uh, for Auburn defensively going up against this Texas A&M offense with Spiller and A-Chain, they want to feature those backs. They want to feature the run game, especially with that offensive line that's beginning to gain more continuity every week coming off the bye. Definitely going to be anxious to see what that looks like still uh, for Texas A&M. But for that specific matchup, Texas A&M offense against the Auburn defense, it's really the same kind of thing that we're watching out for as when Auburn played Ole Miss last week. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you touched on the AM offensive line, and that really has been the key to unlocking this offense, actually actually moving the ball, actually scoring points. Um, that's something they 
struggled mightily to do, especially in those two losses. Um, and the biggest, I think, component of that was you had an offensive line that wasn't really opening up a lot of holes in the run game, and even more so was not giving Zach Calzada any time to pass uh, in the passing game. And, you know, and that's because of a combination of things. They were bringing back a, you know, a bunch of new guys. They were replacing four players from last season's line. Um, and then that was compounded by the fact that they just had a slew of injuries uh, over the first month of the season. So it was just a revolving door. It was guys having started a different position every week. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's two true freshmen that are starting on, on the offensive line. So it's not surprising that they had growing pains and they had some struggles. Um, obviously with the Alabama game, they seem to find the right combination and just gel at the perfect time. And so we're just hoping that that continues because what that's enabled AM to do is finally get the ball in the hands of those playmakers you talked about. Um, you know, that's at the running back position, Isaiah Spiller and uh, Devon A-Chain. And that's not just in the running game either. They've gotten really good at getting those guys out on screen passes. Uh, A-Chain will even line up in the slot. Um, I think, you know, the coaches just acknowledge that they're just two guys that are dynamic when you get them the ball and they're, they're really getting more creative and finding ways to get them the ball. Uh, and then the other one is, uh, is the tight end position, Jalen Weidermeyer. Uh, he was, you know, a preseason all American. He was fantastic his past two seasons and just really kind of disappeared early on in the season. It was not an impact player, uh, had some issues with the drops and starting with that Alabama game again, that kind of turning point in the season. Um, I don't know, if they figured something out, if it's just about the line having time, um, but they've started finding ways of getting him the ball, not just getting him the ball, but getting him the ball down the field, uh, which is something he really excels at. Um, and so, and that's such a big part of Jimbo's offense. It has been since he arrived in college station. Uh, so, and, and, you know, that's not even talking about the wide receivers. You still, you have Anaya Smith, who's kind of the, the Swiss army knife, the guy that, can do everything that's super versatile, super, uh, super quick. Um, and then, you know, Demond Demas, Chase Lane, you, know, you can go down the list of the wide receivers. There's AM has weapons. It's just a matter of getting the ball into those guys' hands. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I did want to bring up, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer because he, he is the guy that I call him a crunch time player play guys. that are going to make the plays to, to try to win the game, but, uh, and you can go to him late. Uh, in the game, especially whenever you think about this game, it's probably going to be a close game uh, in the fourth quarter. But Jalen Weidermeyer is a guy that that I have circled, especially when you Auburn hasn't really defended the opposing tight ends very well uh, this year. So it'll be interesting to see, number one, who they put uh, on Jalen Weidermeyer, how they are willing to defend him. And then, number two, how many plays can he make? Because we saw you know, Georgia, they had a lot of success. Uh, with the tight end, they had a lot of success with Brock Bowers running all over Auburn. So be interesting to see um, how many plays that Jalen Weidermeyer can make in this game. Yeah, I mean, and because he's he's a guy that really, as he has gone, is how AM has gone. You know, in the games where AM has played really well, he's had great games. And I think that's that's not a secret. Um, so it's a matter of finding, you know, getting him the ball because he's a guy that like you said, when he's open, like he catches the ball. And sometimes when he's not open, he still catches the ball. <laughs> um, you know, we've seen that 
a lot of times too. So he's certainly a guy, I think on third down, it's either him or Anaya Smith normally that AM is looking for because it's kind of the two most trusted uh, receiving weapons on the team. Um, and I honestly didn't know enough about the Auburn defense. You talk about how they were kind of weak uh, defending the tight end. And so I can't imagine AM is not going to try to exploit that, um, especially, you know, AM had a bye week last week. So, you know, they'd be foolish if they weren't putting in some extra, extra prep time getting ready for Auburn. So um, any kind of weakness that they're looking to exploit, I'm sure they're going to try. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and always want to try to just take a look at what your best matchups are going into the game. And I'm sure uh, Jimbo Fisher has, has done that uh, in the bye week and, and heading into this week, but switching over to the Texas A&M defense. Now it's kind of the same story. We're expecting some quality defense from, from them as well. Obviously, you can't mention Texas A&M defense without talking about DeMarvin Leal and those athletes they've got on the defensive line. That, And really the whole defense has performed uh, very well so far. And Auburn, of course, is going to want to – they're going to want to run the football with Tank Bigsby and, and Jarquez Hunter, the, the freshman who's really come on so far. And they're, But the thing that is the key that I'm really watching out for for – Auburn offensively against the Texas A&M defense is they're the Auburn's receivers are actually catching the ball now, which the, which they weren't doing uh, in the early part of the season from Bo Nix is what has allowed him to really stay in the offense without having to to create those off schedule plays and their offensive line uh, has improved. But they've also played uh, two teams in Arkansas and Ole Miss the last two games that feature you know, the three two six. They feature three down. Uh, lineman there so Texas A&M obviously is a different a schematic defense there and when you talk about the <clears throat> athletes they have on the defensive line that could contribute to some problems for Auburn along the offensive line that has gotten a reprieve the last couple weeks so we haven't really seen if they've really improved to the standard that we thought so that's definitely something I'm watching out for on this game on Saturday. Yeah, because AM really does more, they run more of a 4 2 5 uh, with pretty much with, with, you know, two linebackers and a full time nickel corner. Um, and that nickel corner is Antonio Johnson, who, I mean, he's been one of huge bright spots for that AM defense. You know, he's a true sophomore um, and just, he's just a guy that just makes plays all over the field. And, you know, seemingly every time there's a play being made, he's there. Uh, and I think, and the, the Auburn offense, like you said, it's a little hard to figure out because, you saw some of those early games, you know, especially against like the non-power five competition where they were scoring 72 points a game. And, you know, you're just like, it looked like this offensive juggernaut. Um, but if you look at the stats against just power five competition, um, that Auburn, that Auburn offense isn't any better than Texas A&M's. Uh, and, and even, you know, last week against Ole Miss, that's an Ole Miss defense that's just gotten gashed, um, you know, about gashed by Alabama, gashed by Arkansas, um, and in Arkansas, I mean, Auburn scored points, but I think not to the same level that a lot of those other teams did. Um, so, I mean, I think if you're the AM defense, I think they come in, I think they come in confident because this is going to be, you know, they're certainly their biggest test since Alabama uh, because Missouri and South Carolina, all due respect to those teams, um, but they're in the bottom half of the SEC East for a reason. Both of those games were over by halftime, um, and that's not something we're going to see this week. I think this is going to be a game that's going to be close to the very end. Um, but 
we went into the season thinking that this AM defense was the strength of the team. And I think they've, they've validated that um, despite, you know, maybe some, some struggles uh, at a few points in the season. Uh, it's especially that defensive line, that front four is just, I would say about as dominant as you'll see in college football. Maybe, maybe Georgia is probably the only one that's, that's even better. Um, but yeah, with DeMarvin Leal, uh, who's really played mostly at defensive tackle this year, which is a bit of a surprise because he was out at uh, defensive end really exclusively his first two years. Uh, but he's been on the interior along with uh, uh, super senior Jaden Peavy, super senior Michael Clemens, and uh, and just good old-fashioned regular uh, senior. I think he's a senior. Uh, Tyree Johnson, he might be a junior. Uh, but either way, I mean, it's a very veteran line it's a very talented line there's a good chance that at least three of those guys are in the nfl next year uh, and and leal almost certainly a first round pick um and that's not even to mention you know the depth pieces they have rotating in you know they have like four and five star guys coming in behind those players uh, and it's i mean it's really it's what you've come to expect under under jimbo that's that's been a pretty dominant front four since he stepped on campus four years ago, and this is probably his best group yet. So everything about the AM defense, I think, relies on those guys um, either getting pressure with four or, um, or, you know, or getting creative with their blitz packages. That's something that they did. They did really well against Alabama was they showed a lot of blitzes that they really had not done previously. And I think that's part of what caught Alabama off guard uh, in getting that pressure on Bryce Young uh, was, they were showing them blitzes they weren't prepared for. And so I, you know, expect nothing less than Mike Elko than to come out out of the bye week and have some new wrinkles to, to throw at Auburn and hopefully trick them up as well. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And and so now that we've kind of previewed, previewed the matchups a little bit, I did want to ask you about our – or prize picks player props for this way. We're sponsored by prizepicks.com on the show. So we give out the, the yardage uh, totals for, for the week. So I got a few for you here that we're, we're going to play along together uh, for this, for this preview. So if just want to ask you to give me an, an over under on uh, what you think the yardages would be. So right now, Bo Nix is slated for 219 and a half passing yards in the game. Uh, on Saturday, does he go over or under uh, that mark? I'll say he goes over, um, primarily because I think that that AM run defense is really stout, and I think they're going to end up leaning on the pass maybe more than they had planned on doing. Just because we, you know, we we saw that against South Carolina where they passed a ton just because the run game just got stuffed every play. Um, so because of that. I think Auburn's going to move the ball, but I think it's going to be primarily through the air, so I'll take the over. Yeah, I do, I do too. I think they're running the ball is definitely not going to be uh, easy against uh, the Texas A&M defense, so I'm going to take over on that a, as well for, for Bo Nix. And then, and then Zach Calzada, depending on how well Texas A&M can run the football, could be the same. He's uh, slated for a little bit under uh, what Bo Nix is slated for. He's at 184. Uh, and a and a half right now. So Zach Calzada over under uh, 184 and a half. That's a tough one. Uh, I think I'll take the under on Zach. Um, but yeah, that's really that's a tough call because I mean because I think AM they and one thing they've shown this year is they're much more willing to throw the ball downfield to take deep shots 
because that was something that in 2020, I mean, they were super conservative, um, you know, and that was like the critique of the offense last year was that even though it was very effective, it was often like it was very ground and pound, just very, you know, all these passes, you know, the, between like seven to 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. Um, but a has been, I'm not going to call them vertical, but they've been a lot more aggressive this year and in, in taking, taking chances uh, in the downfield passing game. Um, but I'm going to take the under only because I mean, Calzada as great as he was against Alabama and as many strides as he's taken, um, he can be still very inconsistent. Um, and I, and because of that, I think a going to try and, and lean on that run game if they can. And, uh, and if they can, I think there's a good chance that, uh, that he comes in on the under on that one. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. That's probably not going to be one that, that I play uh, personally, but I definitely take the under for people that, that want to play uh, that one. And we both, both are taking the under on that one. So the last couple are for the running backs. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the game picks as we get uh, late in the week. I'm sure we're ready to dish out our picks here. So the last two uh, prize picks player props are for the running backs. So Tank Bigsby is, and him and Isaiah Spiller are both about the same. Uh, yardage for this game, but Tank Bigsby is at 83 and a half uh, rushing yards. So is you going over or under on that one? Um, I would say over. Um, I mean, that doesn't seem like a whole lot, uh, but, but maybe I just said, uh, I'm just basing that on what AM's done in, in recent games um, against Mizzou and South Carolina. But yeah, I mean, I would say I would definitely take the over on that because. I mean that you can have a bad game and you break off one big run and and, and you're squared away on that front. So yeah, I'll take the over for Tank. Yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably lean towards the the over as well. Probably not going to be a an official play. Maybe 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 be an official play for, for us on that one. But but yeah, yeah I, I, think, I would say like- the only the only reason he might not is just um, and I think this is true for the A and M side as well. Is just if the carries get kind of divvied up. You know, like if he's not getting the lion's share of the work, then maybe maybe he doesn't quite get there. But overall, I think I'd I feel comfortable taking the over. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm, so I'm curious to I'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts on on Isaiah Spiller's total. It's at 84 and a half. And to me, I don't I don't know about you, but I'm kind of leaning the under on that one, just because I think if Auburn do, or if Texas A&M does have success uh, running the football, it's actually going to be with Devon A-Chain instead of Isaiah Spiller. So I, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of lean the under on, on Spiller's total. Yeah. And it's an interesting dynamic between those two players because Spiller is the unquestioned starter. He's the guy, you know, he comes out that first drive of every game, normally the first several drives of every game. Um, and, and, and he is, he's a very elusive guy and he's he's got kind of deceptive speed um, for, a, you know, what you think of as more of a power back. Um but a chain is the guy that tends to be kind of the, almost the, the lightning to his thunder, um, you know, so to speak that a chain comes in after maybe Spiller is pounded on him for a quarter and a half and a chain, you know, has sprinter speed. And I'm, I'm not saying that to be like hyperbole, literally he's on the A&M track team as a sprinter. Um, and yeah, and he's, and I think they say this every broadcast, so it's getting driven into the ground. But, you know, there are some guys that, like, they have track speed and they happen to play football, but they're not really football players. He's a guy that he has that speed, but he is a football player. Like, he runs physically. He breaks tackles. Uh, you know, he's got the vision. So, 
A-Chain tends to get, I think, a lot more of the chunk plays or, or maybe, you know, Spiller is like he's making guys miss. He's dragging guys forward. And so he's getting, you know, getting you those five or six yards every play. But A-Chain is the one that um, is even more capable of, you know, breaking off the 60-yard touchdown run. Um, and so, it's yeah, I would say it's very hard to project a yardage totals for either of those guys only because um, even though Spiller is the starter, he does have more carries on the season. Um that workload is divvied up probably like 60, 40. Um, and so knowing when those chunk plays are going to come, it, it can be really hard to project. So, yeah. So I agree with you that I would probably take the under on that. Just, it feels like the safer bet. Yeah, I, I really believe so. And, and just kind of go back over for people that are, that are watching and listening. You want to play these. Uh, we've got Bo Nix over 219 and a half. We've got Zach Calzada under 184 and a half. And then we've got Tank Bigsby's, Tank Bigsby slightly on the over at 83 and a half, and then Isaiah Spiller under uh, 84 and a half. So if you want to play those, uh, head over to prizepicks.com and make sure you use the code CRUNCHTIMEPLAYS and you'll automatically get 100% deposit match up to $100 on prizepicks.com. And we're looking forward to continuing to hand out uh, the picks. We did a did very good last week. We were we were 4-0. and We had two on uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and then two on Auburn and Ole Miss. So hopefully we can, uh, with with Robert's help on this one, we'll be able to uh, to keep the streak going. But but when we're talking about the game pick now, Texas A&M is a four and a half point favorite uh, at Kyle Field on on Saturday. So go ahead and uh, if you're if you've got a, a pick in mind, uh, Robert against the spread. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and hear it. So on our um, official game preview on on Good Bull Hunting earlier this week. My official pick, and I'm going to have to stick with it, was I picked AM to win, but I picked Auburn against the spread just because I think this is going to be a close game where it's it's going to be someone going down and, and you know and kicking a field goal or missing a field goal at the end of the game that's going to decide it um, or scoring a touchdown at the end of the game to pull ahead because I think it's two teams that I think they match up really well. They play very similar styles. Um, and – as we talked about at the beginning of the recording, this game means so much to both teams uh, that I think you're going to get the maximum effort on both sides. You're going to get, you know, everyone's best shot. So, so I would take, take Auburn against the points. Um, that said, as an AM fan, uh, seeing the way this team has played the last three games, I'm still, I'm still pretty confident that we can pull out the W. Yeah, I'm actually, I, I'm actually right there with you. I think, I think Texas A&M will win, but but Auburn will cover the. Uh, so the official uh, crunch time play will be uh, Auburn plus four and a half. Of if you want to uh, get out there and and bet that one, uh, Auburn plus four and a half will be the official uh, play for us. But you no, know, I just think that that Kyle Field is not is not going to be. Obviously, as crazy of an environment as it as it's going to be uh, on Saturday, it's not anything that Auburn hasn't seen uh, so far this year. When you talk about the whiteout at, at Penn State, some crazy environments that Auburn has played in so far, it's, I don't think that that's going to be something that that is going to uh, surprise them by any stretch. And, and I do think this is a field goal uh, game. But but the thing that kind of drew, drew the line for me was I don't know that that we actually have a true sense of, of where Auburn would be against A&M this Saturday based on the two teams that they have played uh, the last two games in Arkansas and Ole Miss that have the 
same defensive style, that, that three-down sets. I think Texas A&M has the potential to give Auburn a little bit um, more trouble uh, defensively uh, for Auburn's offense than they're used to the last couple games. And and maybe you know, Texas A&M's defense makes a play uh, late to to seal the win. So I definitely think that uh, that Auburn wins, but or the, excuse me, that Texas A&M wins, but but Auburn covers. Yeah, and and pretty much every single person that I have talked to or, or seen on Twitter or anywhere, everyone seems to think it's going to be a really close game. So of course, what that probably means is that one of these teams is going to get blown out <laughs> because that's just the way the season has gone. Is that um, you know every time we think we know what's going to happen, it swings the other way. Um, but especially, I mean, with this series, um, I don't know if, you know, most people know this, A&M has never beaten Auburn at Kyle Field, uh, you know, since we joined the SEC. And uh, I think Auburn has only won one home game at Jordan-Hare against A&M. Uh, and so this entire rivalry with Auburn, if you want to call it a rivalry, this series um, has been super weird. And so I think we just are looking forward to more weirdness on Saturday, but from the A&M perspective, certainly hoping that we can kind of get that monkey off of our back and finally get that home win against Auburn. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, the road team has certainly uh, been the, been the, been the team that has come out on top in this series uh, since Texas A&M has come into the league. And, and, you know, we were kind of, I kind of expect this game to kind of be like, what I thought the Michigan-Michigan State game was going to be last week, kind of upper teens, low 20s type of game. But that probably means that it's going to be 37-33, something like that, like that Michigan State-Michigan game was last week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I, th- I think I took the the over on the overall um, points just because really for that exact reason that I, especially on just the un- over-under, have been – terrible this entire year every time i think i know um what's going to happen it's it's the opposite so i actually just basically went against what my better judgment was and, and i said i'm taking the over that's a that's a terrible strategy no one do that but <laughs> but that's the way i went well that's why we love that's why we love college football you know so what what whatever we think the game is going to be like it's going to be the exact opposite and that's why we love it so much absolutely <laughs> well robert thanks so much for for taking the time as always definitely got to get you back on again uh, especially if texas a&m wins there are going to be some some more meaningful games down the stretch uh, for a&m so definitely got to get you back on again but tell everybody where they can find you on social media where they can find uh, the work at a good bull hunting because you and that entire staff do an incredible job and just really appreciate you again taking the time brother thanks man so yeah so you can find us at goodbullhunting.com where the texas a&m SB Nation team site. Uh, and then for myself personally, uh, you can find me pretty much exclusively on Twitter as far as social media goes. And uh, my handle over there is RCB05. No doubt. Robert, thanks so much. And, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, man. Gig em. Thanks so much to Robert for coming on today. And thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram.